You feel good? I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life. <laughs> I love saying that. It's not true, but it's great. It, I mean, it's a, Eventually it's a good it line. True. It's, yeah. a, it's an affirmation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like to speak in affirmations. So many, so many, so many damn books. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I am Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Benjamin Dreyer in the damn library with us today. Benjamin Dreyer is the recent author of Dreyer's English, um, but you're also the copy chief of Random House. Currently. I am. I you, am. You are doing both. Yes. An author and a copy chief. Still. Um, <laughs> and we are so excited to have you here. Oh my gosh. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah, an, the architect of the way we've read like 60% of... <laughs> oh gosh, thank you. This is, I mean, this is a treat. Also, this is, I mean, this, this is, this is a lovely Friday afternoon treat, so... Oh, I've been looking forward to this all week. Oh, um, thanks. That's exciting. That's too. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of Friday afternoon treats. Oh, yeah. What I, did you make for us? So I um I I'm one I've become one of those old people who are who are like, oh, can I have a cup of coffee? It's like, oh, it's after four i'm not sure i'll be able to get to sleep <laughs> <laughs> um so i don't i don't usually um make drinks with espresso or anything with them but this was an afternoon ish uh episode so i thought um i would make a drink that was a take on an old-fashioned and it's very simple it's it's um whiskey uh espresso simple syrup and walnut bitters and then i have a pipette of extra um espresso syrup that you can punctuate your drink with and i'm calling it the old hyphen fashion sick nice <laughs> and you have to spell out well it's, hyphen. it's delicious and and i i ratify it <laughs> oh, excellent yes i'm so glad you like it um yeah it's uh reading your book was was sort of it really was like sweetening in a lot of ways uh, the way you understand my I, my understanding or the words to some of the things I implicitly understood mm -hmm. in um, in writing fiction or reading books at all. Yeah, yeah, um, co-signed to that. Yeah, but before we get to your book, we do talk about what'd you buy. Yes. Sure. Do you want to start us off, Drew? Sure. I have been excited about this book for a while, and uh, I pre-ordered it months and months and months ago, and it finally I got the email from Community Bookstore that it was ready. Uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Right. Mm. Um, I have known his work since Stamp from the Beginning. Uh, one of my former colleagues at the public recommended it to me early on, and I remember reading that, and my whole office read it, and we were all just blown away by it. And this same colleague is the one who pushed anti-racist training at the public and sent me to a workshop years ago and i was just like yeah i can't wait for this book um i haven't started yet but i uh, the minute i got that email i was like can i make it in before i have to get to work today i think i can probably nice. on my way it was like one of those i just needed to have it in my possession it's right. one of ours did you know that yes i did yeah and uh it just went on sale this past tuesday uh-huh and I, as 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 copy chief, I make a habit out of trying to read the first, I don't know, 30, 35 pages mm -hmm. of every bound galley that comes in. Oh, wow. Which is hundreds of books <laughs> <laughs> um, every year. And sometimes it's more of a pleasure than other times. Um, 
but it's it's mostly I'm just sort of trying to do sort of copy chief quality control and make sure that everything went through the copy editing process nicely and that there's nothing I'm seeing on the first you know printed pages that is offensive to my eye. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I but I remember picking up the bound galley of. Uh, of the candy and and just knowing that this was this was a wonderful book yeah mm. and I'm delighted that it's it's you know burst into the um it's you know it's burst into the world as well as it has yeah, yeah. it's been actually fun it's to not watch. just this past Tuesday it's the Tuesday before yeah it's August time it's August, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's August. <laughs> um do you want to talk about something you just acquired well I you know the thing is for the last few months since since my book was published i've had a great time you know being interviewed and you know and 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 well and answering all kinds of questions and a question that has come up from time to time is what is the first book that you remember mm. ooh and what I've been saying is I've been talking about this book that I remembered having in the house, which was this big, lavishly illustrated book of 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 poems and kids' stories, and there were, you know, Kate Greenaway illustrations in it, mm-hmm. and, and Palmer Cox, who did the, the, the brownies illustrations, and, and I, I remember it, and I've been saying this and saying this and saying this, but not quite being able to remember what the book was called uh-huh. until... It was just a week or so ago, somebody I knew on Twitter posted about two books that she found in her house when she was digging through things that were quite important to her as a young person, and one of them I immediately recognized as my book. Cool. So it's called, I should have just Googled, Illustrated Treasury of Children's Literature <laughs> because that's what it's called. <laughs> um, and I was so excited to, to to see it and to know what it was called. So I don't have it yet, but I have ordered myself a copy and probably someday next week in the office it'll be delivered to me. But I'm, I'm so excited uh, to get it. And, and the thing that I have found with certain books from my childhood that I've reacquired in the last couple of years uh, including a a book of Mad Magazine movie parodies <laughs> um, that I've that I'd memorized them. Mm-hmm. That these books that I had when I was a kid, I read them so many times over and over and over and over again that picking them up now, it's like I remember every word. I remember, yeah. you know, I remember the experience of sitting there and turning the pages and enjoying them, just sort of always reading and rereading and rereading. Because th- I mean, that's always been one of my great pleasures Mm. Uh, you get to a point um, when you realize that you're never going to read every book that's ever been published (laughs) and you can either i've heard that rumor you can either regret that or you can embrace it Mm -hmm. and i decided to embrace it but then there's the thing that goes along with that which is embracing well as long as i can't read every book that's ever been written that means i can read the books that i love over and over as many times as i want yeah Mm. So I'm I'm a I'm a absolute dedicated rereader. Yes, wow. interesting. Oh, I'm sticking I'm sticking a pin in that for our Shirley Jackson conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, pin there. Christopher. Uh oh yeah. Um, so we got sent the others gold by Elizabeth Ames, mm-hmm. um, which is a really lovely cover, and you know it says campus novel right there in the flap copy, and so it pretty much puts me on board from go um and yeah i'm excited about that one i don't know anything about it past campus novel 
Um, and then uh, got a copy of Trick Mirror by Gia Talentino, which I'm really excited. I'm sure I've seen a couple of these essays somewhere, but I'm really, really excited to see them all in her voice. Yeah. Another one of uh, another one of ours. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of easy. I mean, Random House is so big. It's like the odds are that I have something to do with it. And if it's not necessarily of my division, it's of Penguin Random House. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a great big chunk of American bu- uh, uh, American publish- publishing. But but the Tolentino is is indeed closely uh, closely one of ours. And, and 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 the thing that I find endlessly gratifying, and I've been at Random House for you know over twenty five years now, and I still get the same excitement, is watching a book that I know to be good, that I know to be a book of quality, heading out into the world and making a big impression. Mm. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always work out that way. You know, sometimes books you have great expectations for and great hopes for simply don't perform the way you wished they did. But when it happens, it's a it's it's a marvelous thing. It's very it's very exciting. And I and I I, I mean I think I'm a little uh, beyond the point of oh I'm going to get jaded about this. It's like well it hasn't if it hasn't happened, yet, <laughs> I guess it's not going to happen. Uh, that's so you you do sort of pick your I don't know like your ponies like you hope for some of them. That's interesting. That, yeah. that's still. I mean, we publish a lot of books, and that's... I can't I can't love them all. <laughs> um, I I am of course supportive of uh, you know of all of them. That's that's my job. My job is to make sure these books you know get to press in the best possible shape they 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 can be in and of course i have an excellent you know uh group of colleagues that i work with who are of course laboring on that book mm-hmm. by book by book um you know but i wish them i i wish them all well i i, I wish most of them well <laughs> <laughs> they're not all they're not all picnics and sometimes you work on a book and it just kind of hasn't been fun and you don't necessarily put the hate on it mm-hmm. right but you're not as invested sure <laughs> sure Can you talk about Dreyer's English and like what it is to people who don't know? Sure, um, it's it's a it's a book that I, it's a book that I decided to write because there was one day about six or so years ago where I decided I wanted to write a book. <laughs> cool. And I went and I thought, well, what are you going to write a book about? And then of course I I reached back for that old notion of write what you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what I know is copy editing. And I, I, I barged into the office of our editor-in-chief <laughs> one afternoon, because I'm allowed to do that, and, and I said that I wanted to write a book, and she was interested enough to say, well, then let's talk about what it is that you want to write. And, um, and and she did me one better than that. She introduced me to the person who became my agent. Because hmm. uh, cool. a fellow needs to have an agent. Um, they say that. They say that. And because it's true. <laughs> and 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 so before I, you know, before too long, I, I had agreed to, to write this book. I had agreed to write it in a year. <laughs> it took five years. Because <laughs> um, writing books is hard. You know, <laughs> That's and, I never, thing and I'd never written one before. <laughs> and you have to go through a lot of existential crises. Sure. Including the part where you are absolutely certain you have no talent whatsoever. Mm. Um, but it got done. It eventually it, it eventually got done. And, and, and of course, one of the nice things about writing a book that is going to be published by your own house, 
when you're running behind is, as I like to say, it's not as if you don't know what I'm doing every day. <laughs> it's not as if I'm not busy. Right. But anyway, it, 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 it got done. But so, so the, the book really, I just, I wanted to write a book that was not, I mean, I'm not a grammarian. Mm -hmm. I'm not a linguist. I'm not a language expert beyond the fact that I copy edit. Mm -hmm. That that my my expertise, if I have expertise, is specifically working with writers on their manuscripts, doing what I'm supposed to do to help make those manuscripts better. Mm -hmm. And 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 really, copy editing is this collection of tricks that you accumulate over the years, and you keep stuffing them up your sleeve. And every time you reach for a new manuscript, you 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 unstuff them. Mm -hmm. um, and there are things that I learned from other copy editors when I started out as a proofreader and, and as a proofreader you're observing the copy editing that's gone on in the manuscript mm -hmm. you see the sorts of things that copy editors suggest you see the sorts of things that authors embrace you also get to see the things that authors say no to mm -hmm. uh, and then you learn that yourself as a copy editor when you make suggestions and and they're the ones the authors love and the the ones the authors say no thank you mm -hmm. and, and, and if you make the same suggestion on 10 different books and every time you make that suggestion the author says no thank you if you're paying attention you're going to learn something from that mm. so really i just wanted to take all these things uh all these things that i do all these things that i had learned and 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 put them in a book in in the hope that that copy editors would find it helpful in the work that they do and of course, that's a fairly narrow <laughs> group of people. But then, you know, expanding it slightly, that writers who don't necessarily, excuse me, writers who don't necessarily have access uh, to copy editing, because there are a lot of people who just, you know, they blog and they self-publish and they do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that writers would um, w would find it helpful as well. And then just really casting the net as widely as you could. Is, is basically knowing full well um, that there's this great big odd portion of the population that is very invested in what one more self-appointed expert thinks about the series comma. Right. <laughs> like, and if you can get them yeah. to yeah. be interested in what you've written, well, you know, then, you, then you've won. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's turned out well. The yeah. book's, um, I mean, the book's done nicely and it's been read and if I can say, it's been embraced, and, and I, I'm incredibly gratified. As, as I was saying to a, a, to a fellow writer today whose novel is going on sale um, in, in September, and she just got a front-page review in the New York Times Book Review, which, I mean, gosh. <laughs> um, I said, you know, I said I have been... I have been happy and grateful almost every day since since my book went on sale, and it's a wonderful way to like navigate the universe. Wow, that's wonderful. So that's it's, so it's, cool. It's been, it's been fun. Wow, it's been fun. You could buy a Strunk and White and this, and like really clean up your manuscript. Yeah, I mean the thing is, there isn't going to be any style book that you could buy that you know is the last style book right. you'll ever need. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, oddly, I never, I was, I was never a Strunk and White guy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I was not given it when I was in high school or college. It was not a book that we talked about at Random House when I started work at Random House. So it was only in writing my own book that I finally thought, well, you should pick it up and take a look <laughs> at it. See what's going on. Um, and the thing is, there's a lot of first-rate advice in it. And I know that a lot of people like to sort of dunk on it. Mm-hmm. Um for whatever reasons, um, but there's a lot of really there's a lot of really good stuff in it. But it, you know, it's not the only book you're going to own if you're really invested in 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 honing your craft and 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 writing as as well as you possibly can. I mean, there's the elements of style. Um, there's a um, a wonderful book called Miss Thistlebottom's Hobgoblins, uh, <laughs> written by a writer named Theodore Bernstein, which another book I had never heard of until a friend said, oh, you really need to read this. Mm-hmm. And and I loved it because his advice, I mean, this book was written in the, I think, 50s or 60s, I think. and But the advice was so fresh and more important, the voice was so Fresh. Mm, yeah, and 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 I and I, I absolutely loved it. So you've got you've got those books. You've got uh, an out of print book called Words into Type that has been my bible for all the time that I've ever been, uh, you know, in this business because it's 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 very much treasured by people who work in books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, if you're only going to buy one book, you could buy mine. <laughs> I I got a galley of it. Um, a publicist friend, Stephanie Redaway, sent me a galley. Mm. I think at the, at the end of the year last year, right when they had come out, and she was like, "You've got to check this out." And I remember seeing the an utterly correct guide to style and clarity, mm-hmm. to clarity and style. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, this is either going to be stuffy as hell <laughs> or hilarious." And to hear you talk about admiring the voice of other writers your voice is just such a joy mm-hmm. and it as i was reading it i had never met you i had followed you on twitter but i never heard you speak and yet your voice popped immediately into my mind right and how what was that like not being a writer and being somebody who for the most part is sublimating their voice into somebody else's to just go for it it took me a really long time to figure out what I was supposed to sound like hmm. um, on the page. And and for the first year or two that I was writing the book, I'm sure I wrote tens of thousands of words and threw them out. Hmm. I was bored with myself. Uh-huh. Um, it was stuffy. Um, <clears throat> I didn't, I hadn't quite figured out what it was that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Funnily enough, and God bless it for it, Twitter was the thing that helped me figure out what my voice was. Huh. That hellscape? <laughs> <laughs> because there was this eureka moment where I thought, you know, I had tossed myself onto onto Twitter as, you know, America's friendly copy editor. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, if you're going to be on Twitter and if you're all the way back in the 140 characters day, um, I mean, you know, the thing is, you, you, you have to be fast. You have to be funny because otherwise people are going to, uh, to, to follow somebody else. And, and if you want people to like you, um, then you would do well to be likable. Mm-hmm. And... Um, eventually, I, I all of that, try to be funny, try to be nice, try to be engaging, all sort of coalesced into my head into, good, now get it down on the page. Mm-hmm. Mm. And once I had that moment, I mean, it, it wasn't as if it flooded out of me, mm. but it, 
it really was the moment where it was like all I had to do was just keep typing right mm-hmm. until it was done. Um, one particularly nice thing is that when I gave the bound galley to my mother, mm. um, she started to read it, and one of the first things she said to me was, "It sounds exactly like." you oh, nice and i thought nailed it <laughs> um and and then you know and the way it's worked subsequently is that i will meet people who met me through the book mm-hmm. and um and, and and who've liked it and then so i meet them and i'm and i'm i'm doing an interview and i'm talking to them or just you know hanging out with them and they say you sound exactly like it yeah mm. yeah and i thought well then, good. You know, that's it, 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 how it. That's how it. That's how it should be. So writers you've worked with will recognize your voice on the yeah. page. Oh know? yeah. <laughs> Can you talk about some of the like, like partnerships of of you working with writers and like, you know, because I feel like that's a really interesting relationship because it's already gone through like an agent edit at this point mm-hmm. and an editor edit. Mm-hmm. And now it's at you. Like it's, it's a, it's an interesting space in the, in the book's life. Yeah. I mean, the th- what, what goes on between a copy editor and a, and a writer um, is, is, is very intimate really. Um, I mean, as I, as I say frequently, but I say it frequently because it's true. Um, nobody is ever going to read you as carefully as your copy editor does. Mm. You know, uh, you know your edit. I mean, your editor is interested in 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 a lot of the big things that are going on in your book and helping you shape it so that it can be what it is supposed to be. And some editors are are very close readers of sentences, but right. th- they have other things that are also there. Uh, you know, that that are their mission mm-hmm. uh, to do that. But but the copy editor is the person who, given your manuscript when it is ostensibly finished, is reading it down to the nuclear level. I mean, mm-hmm. every word, every comma, every you know, every paragraph, every repetition, every pet adjective. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a marvelous thing that goes on. Now, the, the funny thing is that the, the, the demands of the, uh, you know, the demands of the publishing industry, which is, you know, which is a real industry, it's a real business like any other, um, there's not a lot of real personal interaction between copy editors and, and, and their writers. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, it's like the copy editor gets in and, and does the work and it gets sent to the writer who, who reviews it and says yes and says no and then sends it back. But they don't, they don't really know each other right. uh, very well. Although one thing that we really do try to do is if, uh, if, if, if it's worked well, between a copy editor and a writer on the first book, and we're publishing the writer again. You want to get the you want to get the copy editor back, hmm. you know, huh. and you do that book after uh, you know you do that book after book. So, as a you know as a freelance copy editor, I mean, a million years ago, uh, you know, I was sent manuscripts, I did my work, and I sent them back, and that was sort of the end of it. And I would get feedback from the people who had hired me at either St. Martin's Press or Random House or, or Penguin I was working for, and they would say, "Oh, you know, the author really liked this. You did good." And, and I was like, "Okay, that's really great." Mm. Um, joining Random House as a production editor, and that's the person who supervises the copy editing and supervises the proofreading. You're a step closer 
to mm. to your writers because you are going to have to have a lot of interaction, a lot of back and forth with them, going over what's going on in their copy editing, on their typeset pages, you know, getting their changes. You, uh, I mean, one of the chief joys of my uh, of of my career was back. I guess this was two thousand or so. Um, I was the production editor for The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, the third book of Michael Shabins I had worked on. Yeah, I had worked on Wonder Boys, and I had worked on um, a collection of short stories called Werewolves in Their Youth. Ooh, great and then story. This, great book. And then this behemoth lands on my desk. And and I couldn't possibly have been, you know, prepared from those sort of like slim, intimate volumes right. for this massive <laughs> epic of Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of my favorite books. I mean, it's one of my favorite books as a reader. It's certainly one of my favorite books as a person who's worked on books. Mm. Um, and he was very well copy edited. Um, but it was a great big thing, and there was a lot going on. So when we got to page proofs and and the book was proofread, there were a lot of questions and a lot of you know trying to make things a little bit better and clarifying this and improving that. And I would be on the phone with him for like two hours every afternoon for about two weeks. Wow, going over the pages. And it was such fun. I mean, he's lovely to work with. He's lovely to talk to. And there wasn't anything in the book that he didn't want to talk about if you wanted to talk about it. Sure. You know, if you wanted to ask him a question about a comma, then you would discuss that comma. (laughs) Because he takes his work you know, seriously, but with a great sense of joy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was, you know, that was that was super fun. And I've had that experience with with, with a lot of uh, you know other writers that I'd worked with as a as a as a production editor. Um, I mean, working with with Michael over the course of a number of books, working with Peter Straub over I think maybe five or six or seven books before uh-huh. he he moved off to to another company and and that lovely ongoing relationship is just it's it's a super thing so now I have as a, you know as copy chief and managing editor my job is to sort of run everything mm-hmm. but I have one ongoing intimate relationship uh, with one writer and and I'm allowed to say her name. Um, I have copy edited uh, Elizabeth Strout's last four books. Wow. And we have a relationship quite possibly unique in modern publishing in which I copy edit her and she likes to be copy edited on paper. Mm-hmm. And and we are happy to accommodate her <laughs> uh, in that. I mean, most writers now have sort of knuckled under to our technological world, and sure. you know, you do it, track changes and all that sort of thing. She likes to be copy edited on paper. It's a it's a thing. So I break out the pencils and the sharpener, and I get to work, and I and I and I do that. So uh, I do the copy editing. I send her the manuscript, and then when she's done reviewing it. She comes to my office and we sit and we turn pages. Wow. And she'll bring sandwiches. Wow. <laughs> so that we can discuss every single theoretical edit in the book and the ones that she likes and the one that's like, yeah, that's a nice idea, but no. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I always say, I, I always, I accuse her of playing the author card. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
it's so much fun for me. It's such an absolute, I mean, I, I, I leave those meetings that I have with her and I'm absolutely just sort of afloat yeah. um, from, from the pleasure of it. And, and of course, she's such a damn good writer. Do you, do you wish you could have that relationship with all the writers or are you glad to have this sort of like just be a special? I, I like that it's, it's, it's my one, it's my mm-hmm. one thing, Yeah, you know, and, and, and sometimes I think, oh, wouldn't it be nice to do this and wouldn't it be nice to do that? And every now and then there's a book coming into the house and I look at it and I think this is just the sort of thing that I would have grabbed, mm-hmm. you know, as a copy editor. But I did that. And I and I did it for a very long time, and I enjoyed it. Right. And and now I have this, you know, I have this, I have this one thing. So you know, every couple of years, I have a new manuscript to look forward to. Uh, she's just written a um, a, a following volume to Olive Kittredge. Ooh. Called, I just got a galley. Oh, that. it's called Olive Again, mm-hmm. which I think is so wonderfully kind of brazen. <laughs> um, and I think it's I I just, I, I think it's superb. I think, I mean, I think people are just gonna, I think people are just gonna love it. That's great. And yeah, you know, it's the further adventures of, of Olive Kittredge trying to figure out whether she's a good person. Mm. Um, and, and you, you know, you go with her as she, as she gets old. Yeah. Um, and, and how that feels to her and how she tries to, you know, sort of navigate things and make peace with the, with the people in her life. And I, uh, no spoilers, um, but there are any number of lovely surprise cameos over the course of of, of the book that if you've been reading, uh, if you've been reading Liz steadily, you'll appreciate. And if you haven't been reading her, it doesn't really make any difference. You'll you'll still sort of appreciate it. But if you if you know the world that she's created, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you'll go, oh hi, um, <laughs> and it's 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 fun, uh, and it's and it's just it's beautiful writing. Wow. your job changed you as a reader yeah are are you able to read for pleasure do you read for pleasure do you have too much to read for work i mean i read all day in the office and particularly you know for these last few years i've been writing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a lot of reading you know other people's work my work so there's been an awful lot of watching of television (laughs) and and movies and um and I, i i don't you know, I, I pick up things for pleasure every now and then, and I don't necessarily read too quickly anymore. Um, and if I like something, that's great. Um, I find sometimes that just for the comfort of it, I just pick up the books that are sitting in my house that I like to sort of reread for 30 or 40 seconds mm-hmm. you know, before it's time to go to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to get started on a new book. And one of the things that's going to be lovely about getting started on the new book is that for at least the first few months of it, all I'm going to be doing is reading Uh other people's work, Mm -hmm. stuff that I love that I want to revisit so that I can decide how I want to write about it. And um, oh, I I mean, I guess I should say what it is. Yeah. So it's going to be called it's going to be called Dreyer's Fiction. Yes. Mm. And in it, I'm going to take excerpts from works of fiction that I love, and I'm going to break them down from a copy editorial perspective. Cool. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not going to be a work of like high-flying literary criticism, because thank God I'm not that person. (laughs) Um, It's it's going to be, let's look at these sentences and what they're doing, and what can we learn from them, and what can we steal from writers that we love if only we can understand what it is that they're doing. 
so you gave a little preview actually of that kind of of um of the Shirley Jackson Hunting in Hill House, right? Like it, Hunting in Hill House. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I wrote I I I I wrote this I actually I've I've written two things about Shirley. One was about my experience copy editing her. Mm-hmm. And then one was simply just taking the first paragraph of The Haunting of Hill House and breaking it down. You know, adjective by adjective, adverb by adverb, and of course, most important, semicolon by semicolon. (laughs) And so when I was thinking, when I was first thinking about writing a second book, and I couldn't think what it was going to be... Uh, and of course, I, I was thinking, I'm going to write an, I'm going to write me a novel. Yeah. And 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 everybody's response was, that's nice, dear. <laughs> <laughs> but we would like you to maybe consider writing something in the vein of this wonderful thing you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, well, that's fine, but what? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it, it's like if I've already written this book, what does it mean to write another book? that's similar to it other than my confessing that I didn't write the first one correctly. (laughs) Uh, But one of my editor friends said, well, he said, that thing you did with the first paragraph of The Haunting of Hill House, he said, I would like a whole book of that. Yeah. And that really just sort of, you know, lit the light bulb in my head. And I thought, that I can do. I love... um... There, I took a class in my gra- in in my MFA program called First Chapters that was just looking at the first chapters and like talking about how you what that sets up, and and how like w- the introduction of characters will explain everything about how the book will work. It's and, such an interesting space. And the thing is, it's there's an ease to writing about first chapters because you're getting into the book at the same time the writer's getting into the book. So you're not sort of like catching up Mm -hmm. on things. Um, I know that I can't only do a book of first chapters. Um, Well, there's an idea. Um, (laughs) No, but there's, I mean, there will be a chapter on beginnings of books. There will be a chapter on ends of books. There will be a chapter on dialogue. There will be a chapter on scene setting. Cool. On present tense versus past tense, first person versus third person. And so I'm going to be reading all, I mean, I have a great big long list of writers that I want to write about. And I'm going to be reading them with an eye towards figuring out what their writing is going to be useful for Mm -hmm. in making the points that I want to make. Yeah. So I've got the writers and I got the ideas and I just got to get them to match up. Nice. Mm-hmm. Chapter by chapter. But I mean there will be Shirley Jackson. There will be Elizabeth Strout. There mm-hmm. will be William Faulkner. There will be Muriel Spark. Yeah. Um I'm hoping that I can live up to writing about writers like Virginia Woolf and Toni Morrison because mm-hmm. I really want to write about them. Mm-hmm. Um I, I want to write a, about. I want to write about a lot of people. Yeah. The joke I've been making is I, I really need to make sure that 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 heterosexual white men are well represented <laughs> in this book because if I don't concentrate on that, it's going to be a book full of women novelists. Hell yeah! Because <laughs> you know, it's like they're my gals and I love them. <laughs> yeah. So. Speaking of of your gals, Shirley Jackson, yeah, and it's specifically this book, The Haunting of Hill House. What when when we ask this of everybody, what what is it about this book that made you recommend it to us? That you love about it? What? Why this book? Um, I I first came 
to Jackson. Well, of course, I had read the lottery in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a law <laughs> that says you have to read the lottery when you're in high school. And, and of course, that's also the thing that makes everybody and every you know budding young writer think that all short stories have to have twist endings. Yep. Uh-huh. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. Um, but I remember reading that. But what I remember is seeing the film The Haunting mm-hmm. on television, the Robert Wise film from 61, 62, 63, whenever it was yeah. that he made that film, with, with Julie Harrison and Claire Bloom, and, and you know, absolutely going crazy. It's Great a, movie. It's, such an, it's an elegant ghost film. It's yeah. So, you know, it's so, it's so beautifully done. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure that I, I saw the film and then found my way to the novel. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm, you know, I, I, I so at this point, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a person in his 20s. I'm not working in publishing. And also, it's just a book that I happen to love. I mean, I'm a normal. I'm still a normal human being, <laughs> relatively speaking, reading books and liking them. Right. Um, but I, I absolutely, it, it just immediately became one of my favorite books. And I'm mm. sure that I've read it, a, you know, at least a dozen times uh, over the years. And one thing leading to another, it led me to read Everything of hers I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do love about Hill House, and and I was just rereading, you know, chunks of it yesterday and and today in preparation for coming to talk to, coming to talk to you, is she is she's such an elegant writer. She she is such a thoughtful writer. She is definitely one of those writers. I mean, every sentence is there with a purpose yeah mm-hmm. and 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 one thing that i um one thing that i was rereading we did so we did a book a few years ago called let me tell you mm-hmm. which was a collection of material of hers that had either never been collected so all the stuff that she used to write for the magazines when she was you know supporting her family writing short stories for the new yorker and red book and the ladies home journal yeah mm-hmm. um so th- those stories and then stuff of hers that had never been published at all and and one and and so i when 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 i found out we were doing that book um i i grabbed it i mean obviously nobody was going to copy edit this book uh, except (laughs) except me and um when we got this material first in the house to look at it a lot of it was xeroxes of her typescript wow I was totally flipped. <laughs> I mean, the thing I knew about the thing I knew about Shirley, everybody in publishing is on a first name basis with everybody else, mm-hmm. by the way, even if they've been dead for, <laughs> for a few decades. No, but one of the things that I knew about her was that she famously typed in all lowercase. She she typed so quickly and with such energy that it was too much struggle to reach for the shift key, mm-hmm. so she just didn't. So, so when I'm looking at this stuff, all this all lowercase stuff, it's like. That's her hand, wow. yeah. And I can see it, mm-hmm. and I can I can feel it, and um, and so copy editing that material, very respectfully, very carefully. I mean, you can only do so much when you don't have an author to talk to, right? Mm-hmm. You know, who can say yes or who could say no. And of course, two of her adult children were the editors of the book, and they had to approve everything that I did. But it was between me and her, mm-hmm. and so I set myself certain parameters about, you know, not doing too much, mm-hmm. right? playing with punctuation as I saw fit, changing a word here, word there. But, you know, happily, she's such a good writer that even these first drafts, mm-hmm 
as far as I was concerned, they were quite publishable just the way they were. Yeah. Um, they didn't need much help from me. But but one of there's an essay in the book called um, called Garlic and Fiction, mm-hmm. in which she talks about you know among other things the use of symbolism and and but there's a wonderful section where she talks about how she built the character of Eleanor mm. at the beginning of the haunting of Hill House to get her from her unhappy situation. Uh, you know, living in the city with her sister. Um, There's a wonderful passage in the novel where she says something like, since the death of her mother, the only person Eleanor hated (laughs) was her sister. (laughs) Um, But so Shirley's got to get Eleanor to Hill House. Mm -hmm. And she does this by sending her off on this car trip. Mm -hmm. Mm, She basically, she steals the family car and, and she's driving and she sees houses with stone lions in front of them and she stops at a restaurant and there's a little girl who won't drink her milk because she doesn't have her cup of stars yeah. with her. And as her mother explains to the waitress, she has a cup at home that has stars painted on the bottom. So when she finishes drinking her milk, she gets to see the stars. So Eleanor is is grabbing up all of these things that she sees and building in her head this fantasy of what her life might be Mm -hmm. as she's making her way to this very unreal place and you go with her Mm -hmm. so that by the time you get to Hill House, you are so inside Eleanor's head that you are encountering this great, big, ugly, vile is the wonderful adjective that Mm -hmm. she applies to the house you are experiencing the house with Eleanor. Right. But reading Jackson on the subject of how she does stuff, um, you know, it's like you want to have this fantasy of writers sitting down and going to a trance state and three hours, <laughs> you know, three hours later they've written 2,000 words um, or, you know, or however many words. But it's like, it's craft. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and her description of her own craftsmanship um is is amazing. Although I, I I have to say, just to sort of be fair, um, Jackson used to give a lecture on the subject of writing the lottery, mm-hmm. uh, where she said, "Oh yes, you know, I was I was walking the kids in the pram one day, and the idea came into my head, and I sat down and I wrote the story, and I sent it to the New Yorker, and they liked it, and it was published exactly <laughs> the way I wrote it." Um, and and Jackson's biographer Ruth Franklin. Um, said, and I remember her saying this to me when we were having a conversation about it, you know, well before uh, Ruth finished the book, but then she talks about it. But she's like, yeah, that's a complete lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these things happened between her writing it and and uh, and, and, and it's being published. But, you know, you, you writers tell stories. That's mm-hmm. their yeah. job. Yeah. You know, and it's like I'm, I am telling the story of my own life and I will tell it the way I want to tell it. There is something magical too about the way that she writes and that you it's at this point I've read a lot and being in the literary world and like as a writer myself, I'm learning like, oh, yeah, right. It takes a lot. And then there are those books that you read where you're like, no, this is some magic shit. This just happened. I don't know what was going on. And there is something appealing about the way that she breaks rules, the way that she forms sentences and paragraphs Mm. and leads you through this story 
that it it feels like magic. Yeah, she. I mean, she's a superb prose stylist. And when I get around to writing about her in 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 the new book, and um, I mean, I think I've written enough for one lifetime about the opening paragraph of the haunting of. But I will certainly write about Hill House, mm-hmm. um, and I've got my eye on um, on the Bird's Nest, which is another novel of hers that I really love, which is about a woman with multiple personality disorder. Mm. Um, it could be that. It could be there's a short story of hers called Elizabeth, which is my favorite uh, short story of hers, which is absolutely merciless, and it is one of the things about Jackson that. I mean, as far as Hill House is concerned, she sympathizes with Eleanor. She mm-hmm. likes Eleanor. She may be revving up over the course of a couple of hundred pages to send Eleanor to her death. Right. Oh, sorry. I, you know. <laughs> um, but but she likes Eleanor. Um, she is not always so keen. She is not always so fond or compassionate toward her own characters. Mm. I I went on vacation once with 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 my with my fellow. He's he was my fellow then. He's my husband now, so he's still my fellow. And <laughs> and he likes to be read to. Mm-hmm. And I had brought um I had brought a book of Shirley's stories with me, and I was reading them to him, and he was mesmerized by the craft. And repulsed <laughs> by the cruelty, mm. she's not always so. She, she can be really mean to the people that she's writing about. She yeah. sets yeah. them up for doom and despair and humiliation, and she offers that up to you. Right, and you can either enjoy it or not enjoy it. <laughs> but but the key thing is, I mean, the writing is just so mm. fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels so modern. There's so many moments in it. There's even, I was telling Drew um, that there's this point where I actually had to flip and be like, when was this actually published? Because there's this moment where the the um, doctor is talking about his wife and he's like, oh, I, I, she wanted to come for the whole time, but I had her do a yoga to retreat <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning. The yes. first. And it was just like, wait, when was this published? Because <laughs> yes. I was like, that could that sentence could have been written like a decade ago. Yes, and then she shows up with her Ouija board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the planchette. Yeah, the, planchette. <laughs> the first time I'm sure I ever encountered that word. <laughs> it's like, it's funny, you know, you, you, you associate... You, you, I, there are certain words you always associate with the first place you encounter them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I always think of, you know, it's like if I ever, on the occasions when I run across the word planchette, mm-hmm. um, it's like, oh yes, that's a Hill House word. Does this book scare you? And do you like being scared? I, I do. I do like being scared. And it's, 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 it's a thing that I crave and it's a thing that I revel in and it's kind of hard to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 it you know i mean certainly you go to the movies sometimes uh to be frightened and mm-hmm. i can enjoy doing that uh I, I can watch things at home sometimes and find myself completely uh unnerved by them one thing that i i i crave and it's a very difficult thing to accomplish and i can only think of a couple of times when it, when when somebody's pulled it off which is to go to the theater mm. and get oh, yes. scared mm-hmm. that's really hard yes um but i can think of a couple of times um that it's happened and it's it's a wonderful it's a it's a wonderful thing i mean i uh, a couple of nights ago i watched the first episode of that uh uh, the hbo series year by year year after year years and years years and years thank you years and years so it's this dystopian 
second administration of that person whose name I don't say out loud. <laughs> Everything's horrible, nuclear. And, and, and I was unnerved. Mm. It's not the same thing as being frightened. Right. But I was so spooked out that even though I was thinking oh, I was going to watch another episode, I was like, not if you want to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love that. I mean, I love that. And 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 can I still be frightened when I read a book? Or yeah. or or did this scare you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, now I read it, you know, for the twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth time, right. um, with with a different sense of perspective. But I well remember being scared by it when mm. I, when I first read it. I mean, as I remember reading Peter Straub's Ghost Story for mm-hmm. the first time. And and being being scared uh, scared uh, reading that as well. It's a it's a it's a wonderful thing. I mean, um, I I'm not a big crier, and I know that you know there are people that I work with who will talk about books that they've read and they they, they read them and it's like I cried, mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't really cry when I read. Um, I can think of a couple of times when I have, but I I if if to 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 pick up something to read and to be frightened, that's marvelous. Yeah, I was floored. So this is the third time that I've read Hill House, and I was scared again i knew the scares that were coming and i was still scared and i too i love being scared i love being scared by books i too i can think of like three times in the theater that i've been scared and it is there's something different about i think theater and books versus the movies the movies can pull off tricks that will scare you yes and i just um i just did a play and another actor was like, I want a scary book. And I hand sold her Joe Hill's Heart Shaped Box, which I remember being just terrified of when I the first time that I read it. And then I picked this up again to start rereading it. And I was like, oh, shit, I should have given her Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. There was a play that I saw at your very own theater <laughs> at the public, maybe in the late 70s, John Guare's play Landscape of the Body, uh-huh. um, which I... I remember great big chunks of so vividly I would think that I had seen a video that there was video of it and I had I had I had seen it but the thing is there, there is no video right. I only remember it because I remember it mm-hmm. um and and it was a it's a it's a great it's it's a great play about the sort of strange interconnected interconnectedness of human beings it's kind of like a warm-up for six degrees of separation mm-hmm. uh, on, on, on some levels um, but it's about a, a woman who whose son has been killed and 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 the police think that she did it and the play goes back over everything that has happened in her life that includes the death of her son showing you the audience all these things that she can't possibly know and that she will never know yeah. mm. but you're going to know them and 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 one of the moments toward the end of the play is a scene in which a shopping cart is turned over and a human head goes rolling across the Whoa. stage. <laughs> and the I can still remember the shriek. <laughs> Not just me. <laughs> from the whole house. Yeah. You know, you you were just scared out of your wits. Oh. Oh. It's a great it's I live a, for that it's stuff. It's a great play. Go, I mean, go, go read it because it, it works just fine on the page. Yeah, mm. and it's 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 one of my it's one of my favorite plays. Oh, cool. We're one sort of, of in this place. organically, so maybe we should just stick in it. But re- we should talk about recommendations. We should recommend some things to our listeners. Yeah, oh, sure. We're we're right in the midst of it now. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. 
Uh, do you want to recommend? I will. I will actually recommend something, a book that made me cry. Uh, and it is it is a relatively rare occurrence for me as well. I think other things in the world make me cry, but it's pretty rare for a book to pull that off. Uh, Sally Rooney's Normal People. I it Everything about that book. I read Conversations with Friends first, and a bunch of people on Twitter had been like, I don't know, whichever one you read first is kind of your favorite. I loved Conversation with Friends. Normal People is a stone-cold classic. Mm. And it... It spoke to me and the mistakes that I have made in my life and the things that I'm trying to do now. And I I stayed up reading it, fell asleep, woke up the next morning, and my fiance woke up and I was like weeping in bed reading this book. And at she was she was like, What is going on? You don't do this. And I was like, I know. <laughs> Sorry. It's just so good. Mm. Um, That's it, the laugh of recognition. Yeah, right? it just not the laugh of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Also, if it's a laugh of laughing. Looking back on it, I'm like, what a loon. What a crazy-ass person I am. Mm. But man, everything about both Connell and Marianne in that book, I just... It it blew... I am speechless when I try to think about that book and the ways that she did something so smoothly and so easily that it just slipped under my defenses in a way that... I have I have those defenses because like that's not necessarily a pleasant thing to do to be crying at 7.30 in the morning on a Tuesday. Um, and I, I, But I am so much a better person for having had that happen. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Can't wait. Both are on my shelf, unread, and they will be read. Um, do you want to recommend? Sure. Um, I, I mean, I've got three that I can think of off the top of my head. Yes. Excellent. Uh, so first, we do have, uh, we do have Olive again. Uh-huh. Uh, by Elizabeth Strout, which we're publishing, if I'm not mistaken, in October, um, and it's just—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's beautiful. I mean, if uh, you know, certainly for anybody who's been reading Elizabeth Strout these last few years, it's you know, it's—it's it's a must-read. Um, but I'm sure there are people who will come to it fresh and then maybe read Olive af- read read Olive Kittredge afterward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it is superb, and um, and and so I mean, the writing is beautiful, but it's also it, it it's so full of feeling mm-hmm. um so so there's there's so that's one um um i'm i'm very keen on uh taffy brodesser Ackner's novel fleischman is in trouble mm-hmm. uh which is 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 so sharp um you know su- such good writing on you know on on this our era and 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 she has that sort of Jacksonian sting mm. uh, in her in her writing, mm-hmm. um, but it's also it's extremely it's it's funny and it's engaging and it's re- just really good storytelling. I keep saying listen to the patient, and I'm like, oh right, I keep that's what I'm referencing. She's, yeah, she says it over and over in that book. Yeah. It's great. And um, oh, and 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 um, the, the I was I was talking to you earlier. I mentioned the my, my writer friend who has a new book coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, her name's Kathleen Shine. And the novel is called The Grammarians, which, of course, somebody made oh. sure that I read because they're like, well, this will be right up your alley. <laughs> um, and and it's superb. And it's another one of those books that if you're word obsessed, mm-hmm. um, you'll certainly take to it. Uh, I mean, the, the two protagonists are twins who are dictionary obsessed and word obsessed and language obsessed. Um, but it's another it's 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 another thing. I guess it's a thing that I like in novels. I like novels that are very funny. Um, but that also have real earnest emotion 
backing them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are those are three books that I would I would recommend to the world right now. Wow. Cool, Christopher. Um, I read this uh, novel in like two sittings, and it was just it's a third in a series, but you could read it first. Um, but it's, and it's so good, The Infinite Black Top by Sarah Gran. It's her third Claire DeWitt novel. It's been five years since her last one. And Claire is the best detective you'll ever read. Yep. World's Better, greatest detective. She she calls herself that, and it's true. <laughs> and, you know, she do, she uses, like, the I Ching to, tell, like, figure out um, clues. And she, she has this whole thing that, like, you were personally called to this case, so you have to use your own personality to solve it. And that, I don't know... I, being back in Claire's mind and her world is just so good. And this is better than the last two. Um, and I hope she doesn't make us wait five years again. But yeah, Infinite Blacktop by Sarah Gran is my recommendation. Nice. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. Excellent. Writers who write series, it's like, they're the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, give me some more of that. Yeah. 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 And if they can do it, if yeah. they can give you another one and it's just as good, yeah. if not mm-hmm. better, oh my God. It's That's amazing. Fun. That's it's amazing. Fun. Also very fun and it will make you a better reader is Dreyer's English. Oh, very like, true. It really, I just, I read differently having read this book and how rare is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just the best. Yeah, it's so good. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so go pick up all of the books we mentioned this whole episode. Um, And also, please, we really appreciate when you do things like go on iTunes and give us five stars and write about how great we are. It's also fun when you tell us that you've done that. Somebody slid into my Instagram DMs the other day and was like, I'm finally going to leave you a review over your show. And I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we really appreciate, you know, like it really... Every time you, if you th- look at it and you're like, oh, they've got enough reviews. Apparently iTunes doesn't think so. Like it helps us in so many ways. Um, and we also have a Patreon um, and we're about to uh, send a new thing out to our $10 um, subscribers. Um, so it'd be a good time to sign up and support the show. And, um, and you can yeah. find us all the other places. Yes. So the many damn books ways. on all the things. And um, also follow Benjamin Dreyer on Twitter. Great Twitter follow. Please. Uh, so fun and thanks so much for coming on the show we so appreciate it yeah thank you it's been a blast Uh, that's all that's it goodbye bye